0: Will you say what you want to say? We're not interested in anything that any human being has to say. We're not interested in any human opinion. We're not interested in any any amount of speculation by any person that has ever lived other than Jesus Christ Himself. Lord, we want you. We want you to speak. We want you to say beautiful things. Talk to us. Lord, we just give you free reign. Do what you want to do. Say what you yeah. want to say. Yeah. Do, move how you want to move. <coughs> mm, 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 mm. mm. Yes. Yeah. Just kind of, just kind of hold your hands out like to kind of Yeah. Holy Spirit, even now, I just speak impartation room, right now. Oh yeah. Holy Spirit. Mm. Yeah, just move right now. Abba, I believe it is the desire of your heart that this church have a prophetic culture. Jesus, I believe that it is the desire of your heart that this church be a church that hears your voice. That this be a people that know you. That this be a people that are intimate with you. That this be a people that know the inner chambers that have been invited into the chambers of the King. And they know it well. Jesus, I thank you for the first fruits that sit in this room with me tonight. And I ask you to anoint them right now. Lord, empower them. Lord, set them loose to rock the foundation of this region. Lord Jesus, set, set them on fire and send them out to this region. God, to set loose the voice of Jesus, the roar of the lion of the tribe of Judah. Lord, let it rock this region in the name of Jesus. Oh, oh, establish a prophetic culture in our midst, oh God. Lord, I pray it would be unstoppable, uncontrollable, Oh, uh, uh, oh, do something! So organic, so viral, so so fast-growing that we don't even know what to do with it, God. I pray it would infect this church, oh God. Every aspect of this church, Lord. Anything that stands in the way of Your will and what You're doing and what You're saying, God, we say, let it be cut out like a cancer right now. Jesus name. Oh, Hey! hey. Yes. Yes. Even now, even now, Lord, I pray the gift of boldness Ooh. to yes. land on us. I pray, oh, Lord, even as they pray in Acts... Lord let us be even more bold look upon yes. the threats of our enemies yes,
1: and give us boldness yes, stretch out
0: your hand to heal yes, Lord, oh God let the gospel run swiftly yes, Lord I pray right now boldness upon these prophetic men and women to hear and to speak the oracles of God without fear in the name spirit. of Jesus. Jesus, Jesus right now I come against the spirit of intimidation that always stands, that yes. Jezebel spirit that always yes. stands against the prophets of the Most High God. And so you have no place in this church. Yes. You have no place in the bride. And we say, be gone in the name of Jesus right now. We say no to you on every level. From the foundation on up, from the, from the head on down. We say no to any spirit that stands against the voice of the bridegroom in our midst. Yes, we want to be a bride that is in full submission to you. Beautiful Jesus. Lord, any place, Lord, I pray right now by your spirit that you would, you would search us and know us in this moment. Lord, I, oh, search us and know us. You, Holy Spirit, who search the heart of our Father and who search the heart, searches the hearts of men, have your way even now. Begin to search right now. Search us and know us. I pray you would bring to our knowledge right now the things that stand in the way of full submission to our beautiful bridegroom in the name of Jesus. Father, I pray that you would protect us from the spirit of witchcraft. Lord, I pray that you would protect us from pride. Lord, I pray you would protect us from all of the things, all of the traps the enemy would lead a prophetic people into. Lord, I pray you would teach us to be in submission to the leadership you've established but that we would work in cooperation with the apostolic mantle that's upon the leadership of this church. Yes. Lord, we thank you for it, and we say yes to your beautiful plan, yes. yes. Lord, for the for the changing of a region in Jesus. Yes, name. yes. Oh Lord. Yes. Amen. 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 As I prayed about tonight, so if not <coughs> doing something. On you right now, do not leave your place of receipt. <laughs> Stay right there and keep with Jesus. He's, yeah, if He's resting on you right now, do not move. But we're going to step to the next thing. Um, as I prayed about tonight, the Lord, the, the Lord just kept talking to me about intimacy. That, that, that this is, that uh, this is the primary word that He wanted to speak tonight. And Bridget and I had talked about something completely different um and maybe we'll get there i don't know but but uh, but this is the word let's go to revelation chapter 19 verse 10 1910 <clears throat> <laughs> Revelation 19, verse 10. What's going on in this portion of Scripture is uh, John, the revelator, has seen... The bride of Christ, the bride of God, coming, and uh, and he has this amazing revelation that he's blown away by, and his response to it is to fall down and worship the angel that showed him uh, the city, and and the angel stops him. The angel says to him, "Whoa, ho, ho, ho! Hold on, hold on, hold on, John, John, John! Please do not worship me." And see what happens is that the revelation that he had seen was so overwhelming. That he just fell down in worship, and he 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 just fell down to worship because he was blown. His mind was blown by what he had just witnessed, but it was an angel standing there, and the angel absolutely refused to receive the worship of John. Which that's that's how you know you got a good angel right there. He refused to receive the worship of John, and he said, "No, no, no! I'm a servant just like you. Do not worship me. Worship God." And then he makes this statement, okay? He says, I'm going to read it to you. This is, I think, from the New American Standard, probably. Um, then I fell down at his feet to worship him, but he said to me, you must not do that. I'm a fellow servant with you and your brothers who hold the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, he said. And then he makes a statement, okay? And this is the statement we're going to spend our time on tonight. For the testimony of Jesus is the Spirit of prophecy. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Have you ever, there are places in scripture where it's almost like there's this, it's almost like somebody made a mistake and let a little more out than they meant to, you know, does that make sense? Like all of a sudden something just peeks out from under the covers, you know, and you're like, Ooh, what was that? There's something there, you know, I, and, and this is one of those moments where it really hasn't very little to do with what's going on in the context I mean just very little but, but all of a sudden this, this dazzling thing, this dazzling re- realization comes just popping out of the angel's mouth and and, and John and, and, and John gives us a clue about prophecy that that, that is really precious and really important uh, and that deserves our hour tonight. Okay, and it's this: the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Now, when you, when I say the word testimony, okay, okay, What's the first thing that comes to mind. <coughs> testimony. Your Come on, story? you gotta talk to me. Go ahead. What? Your story. Sure. What? Well, think about. God has Yeah. What God has on your life, what yeah. it's delivered you from. Sure. Okay. Witness. Okay, that's what I was looking for right there. Because we have testimonies. But what is a testimony? Okay, when when someone appears in court and they give testimony, what are they they saying? What are they telling? They're, They're explaining their experience of the thing to which they're giving testimony. Does that make sense? Okay, if I witnessed a murder... Okay? And then they called me and they put me on the witness stand and they said to me, "Give us testimony of what you saw." The only thing I would be I couldn't tell you about the murderer's motives unless he said something about it. I can't tell you anything about the person that they killed, okay? Except for what they were wearing or what they looked like in the mo- all I can tell you is what I saw. All I can tell you is what I experienced. All I can tell you is what my experience of that moment was. That's my testimony. So that's when we give a testimony on a, like, you know, in a church time, somebody give us, somebody give me a testimony, right? That's when we we stand up and we give a testimony of something that happened to us, right? That's what testimony is. It's a, it's a, it's, it's the narrating of an encounter that took place with me. So the angel says, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Now, this he is not talking about the testimony Jesus gives. That's not what it means. It's not the testimony that belongs to Jesus as, as if Jesus were giving testimony. That's not what he's referring to. What he's referring to is John's testimony of Jesus. You follow? John's testimony of his experience of Christ is the spirit of prophecy. Are you beginning to follow me here? Okay? So here's what I have to say to you. If we want to be a prophetic people, we better have a testimony of Jesus. We better have had eyes, ears, experience with the living Christ. We better have had face-to-face, heart-to-heart, moment-to-moment experience with the living Christ. We better have been in his presence. You cannot be a person who prophesies unless you have been a person with personal experience of Jesus Christ. Because the spirit of prophecy is testimony of Jesus, who he is, what he wants, what he loves, what he hates. Prophecy's primary goal is not the revelation of me, but the revelation of Jesus Christ. If you want to know what the book of Revelation, the book of Revelation is easy, folks. People say, oh, it's confusing. Oh, I don't understand it. Oh, you know, blah, blah, blah. What is the name of the book? (laughs) The revelation of Jesus Christ. So who is the book about? Jesus. Jesus Christ. So you want to know what the book means. You should probably understand this book is about Jesus. Okay. And the angel here says prophecy is about Jesus. It's about Jesus and the spirit of prophecy, the very essence, the very pith of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus. You're talking about him. You're giving testimony of what you've experienced, what he said to you, what he's revealed to you about himself. But it is first and foremost about Jesus. It's about Jesus. It's about Jesus. That's what this whole thing is about. If we are not a Jesus-entranced people, a people whose eyes are locked, locked on the burning eyes of Jesus Christ, then we should not prophesy. We have got to be a people who are so locked in to gazing upon His glory and His beauty that all that our attention is spent upon Him, that we have no time for anything else. But show me, my Savior. I love that old song where it talks. You know, Mike said that Michael Lingish always sang it. You know, uh, uh, how I dreamed and uh, of a city called Glory. You guys know what I'm talking about. You know, and and he talks about the places that he goes and the people that he sees. I saw Mark. And Timothy, but the killer is he gets to this thing and he's like, I want to see Jesus. And it's just like, woohoo! Why? Because Jesus is the reason that heaven is heaven. Yes. 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 Oh, I don't want the streets of gold if my Savior's not going to be there. I'm not even interested. <clears throat> okay, and this is what prophecy is. It's all about, this is what it means to be a prophetic people. It means we're a people who are absolutely 100% given over to passion for the beautiful God-man. Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, who died for us and rose again on the third day and has ascended and sit down at the right hand of the Father. Oh, this is what it's about. This is who we are. We are a people built on the foundation of Jesus Christ. Understand. Oh, I love, I love this gift that Jesus has given called prophecy where we get to go and we get to tell people what God is saying over their lives, but it's not about them. It's about him. Yes. Every little bit of this, every ounce of prophecy, He's the center. He's the Alpha, the Omega. He's the beginning and the end. He is the whole reason. From him, through him, and to him be all things. To God be the glory forever. He is the point, the purpose, the reason, the center. There's nothing else but Jesus. Jesus. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Hear it. Ground yourself in this place and say, I want him. Above all else. Above all else. You see, Jesus is the purpose of prophecy. There's this unbelievable reality that I will never really be able to understand. And it's this. Jesus Wants me. Yes, he what? He knows me fully. And yet he desires me. Mm-hmm. Song of Solomon is one of my all-time favorite books. It's this beautiful love story between a man and a woman, but it's also an allegory of the love between God and his people. Christ and his bride, the church. And it ends. The whole thing is about the journey of this little lady who at the beginning believes there is nothing in her worth loving. And at the end, she's able to say with all of her heart, I am his and his desire is for me. (laughs) She gets it. It clicks in her brain. By the end of that journey, she says, you know, about halfway through, she says, I am his and he is mine, which is already mind blowing. But then she goes to the next step, which is I am his and his desire is for me. He actually wants me. He wants me around. He likes me. He thinks I'm pretty great. Jesus has a desire for me. Oh. Thank you. Yeah. Think about that for a minute and understand that if Jesus is the purpose of prophecy and his desire is for you, that what prophecy is all about is not an exchange of information, it's not about dates and pregnancies and, and what it's about relationship with Jesus Christ. It's about intimacy with Christ. It's about knowing His heart and Him knowing yours, and that's what it's about. It's not about how many things you know, how many "Thus saith the Lord" you can say. It's not. It's not the point. The point is He wants you, and He has you. That's it. What did Jesus want me for? Tonight, I want to talk about this beautiful, this unbelievable thing that's called intimacy. This thing which is the root of prophetic authority. Intimacy with Christ, when Gabriel appears before uh, the father of John the Baptist, Zechariah, and he says to him, "You're going to have a son. You need to call him John." And and poor Z, he's like, he's he's old. Okay, this is his first and only time in his life that he's going to be in the Holy of Holies. Okay, you need to understand that. Not most of the priests did not get to make it into the Holy of Holies. And here he is, the first and only time he will ever in his life be in the Holy of Holies. He's probably shaking just because he's in there and he's offering the sacrifice and he knows if I do this wrong, I'll be struck dead and they'll have to pull me out of here by the rope that's tied around my ankle. Okay? Seriously, that's for real. Okay? And that, he's standing in that place, he's scared to death, and this angel appears to have. Ah, Gabriel, right there. Oh my gosh. He walks in. You know, he's like, you uh, trying to make sure the smoke is heavy enough that he can't see the ark because if he sees the glory, he's going to die. And then he, there's somebody standing right there. Okay, have you ever walked into a room and somebody's standing there? You're like, oh, okay. This is 10 million times as bad. He walks into the Holy of Holies and there's this big dude standing there. Ah, you know, there's not supposed to be anybody in here. Don't you understand? And Gabriel gives him this message and he's like, and, and he's so freaked out that he has the stupidity to say, how do I know this is true? <laughs> Dude, you're in the holy of holies. You've got an angel standing in front of you. <laughs> Come on. How do you know this is true? Wake up, buddy. But Gabriel looks at him and he says a phrase that I have always loved. He says, I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God. I just. <laughs> <laughs> right? You don't understand, Z. I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God. I'm not some fly by night angel. I'm not that guy from, you know, It's a Wonderful Life that doesn't have wings yet. I'm just Gabriel. I'm the one blowing the trumpet on the last day, okay? You need to pay attention to what I've got to say. And then he he says, so you're going to shut up from now until the time the baby comes because I don't want you screwing things up. And I do think there's something in there about a man finally closing his mouth and then his wife gets pregnant. I think there's something there. Okay. The reason I mention it, okay, is because... Gabriel's authority came from who stands in the presence of God. It wasn't, I'm Gabriel, I'm a big guy, don't you see the wings? No, it's not what, I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God. Your authority comes from your proximity to the throne. Your authority comes from your proximity to the throne. That's where it comes from. It is intimacy that gives you spiritual authority. It's intimacy with Jesus, the Son of the living God. It is your intimacy with Him that gives you authority to say, Thus saith the Lord, not that we should ever say that. It's nothing you ever did. It's nothing you ever could do. It's not how pretty your words are, those aren't important. It's your proximity to Jesus. That's all that matters. I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God that gave him authority. He stands next to the throne, waiting on the Father to say, Go do this, Gabriel. And he goes. That's who he is. Jesus is looking for men and women who will dare to press in for proximity that will give them authority. But it's not about the authority. It's about the proximity. I want to get close. I want to push in. I want to move Close to Jesus as I can get. I want to be right up next to him. And if he gives me something to say, great. If not, I'm a happy camper. Because I'm next to Jesus and I know his heartbeat. John, the Revelator, knew about proximity. He knew. There is a reason why the greatest prophetic book in the Bible was written by John. Because he was the one at the Last Supper whose head was resting on the chest of Christ. He knew the sound of the heartbeat of the Savior. He knew it. He knew it. Talk about proximity. John could tell whether Jesus wore deodorant that day or not. Okay? John got it. John said, I want to be close to you. Not because he wanted authority, but because he wanted Jesus. Yes. John's mother was brutally rebuffed by Jesus when she asked, can my son sit on your left and on your right? But John said, I have my sight set on something else. I don't care where my seat is. I just want to be close to you. When we get close to Jesus, some weird things begin to happen. Okay. Strange things. All of a sudden, he starts talking to us about stuff that has nothing to do with us. Look at John 15:15. 15, 15. This is such a beautiful verse. This verse ought to just blow your brains right out of your head. Just it's, he, Jesus looks at his disciples and says, I no longer call you servants. Excuse me, creator of the universe, John 15, 15. Excuse me, the great I am looks at me and says, you're not my servant anymore, you're my friend. Yes. What? I do not deserve this. No, no, no. I do not deserve to even look at you in the face. But Jesus says, no, 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 I don't want servants, I want friends. Mm. I'm not, I can create as many servants as I want. I want friends. I want intimacy. I want relationship. I want people who are interested in my heart. I want people who want to come close, not because of what it gets them, but because they want me. I want friends. <laughs> I want those who will come close to me. I want those who will walk with me. I want those who won't go away from me, who are going to love what I love and are going to hate what I hate, who are going to weep when I weep and rejoice when I rejoice. I want friends. I want people to walk with me. That's why he created us. That's why we exist. Do you know why Jesus saved you? Let me give you a hint. It's not because you have a job to do. You look at Jesus' baptism. He walks down into the water. John puts him under the water and he comes back up. This was a baptism of repentance, which Jesus did not need, but he did it. I heard a preacher the other day say something really interesting. This is a total sidebar, but I think it's fascinating. The reason John the Baptist baptized in the Jordan was because he was was doing a spiritual reenactment of coming into the promised land for the people of God. That he was saying, you have walked away from the true God, the God that gave you this land. Now come back to him and enter the land again as a brand new people. Is that good? That just grabbed my spirit. I was like, whoa, that is awesome. And Jesus said, I'm coming in too. And that's why he was baptized, not because he was a sinner, but because he wanted to be a part of the reentry into the land of the people who said, no matter what our fathers, how our fathers strayed, we are committed to him. Jesus is baptized, he comes out of the water, and the Holy Spirit lands on him like a dove, and a voice comes from heaven, you all know what he says, You are my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased, but let me ask you a question. What on earth had Jesus done prior to that moment? You want to know how much Jesus, you want to know how much ministry had happened prior to that moment? Zero. Jesus hadn't preached a sermon. The only miracle he had done was the wedding at Cana. He had not preached, no, he hadn't even done no, He hadn't even done the, the water and the way. He had never done a miracle that we know of. He had never preached a sermon. He had never done any of the things that God sent him to earth to do and yet here he is coming up out of the water and God the Father says, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. God was pleased with Jesus before Jesus ever did anything. And he's pleased with you. And it's not about what you've done. It's about who you are to him. He says to the Sons and daughters in this room, these are my kids, and I am happy about them. And it is not about the job he's given you to do. He didn't save you because you were so darn talented, he had to have you on his team. No. That's not it. He saved you because he wanted you. He loves you, and he desires you personally. That's the truth. Does he, does he have a job for us to do? Absolutely, but that is secondary That is secondary to the most important thing, because what is the first and greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. That's first. Priority one, relationship with God. (coughs) The Great Commission is lower on the list than that. That might surprise some of you, but it's true. It doesn't mean God doesn't care about it. He cares about it very much. Why? Because he wants them to love him too. He wants every person on this earth to know him and love him. But for you, job priority number 1, relationship with God. Period. Why? He wants you. He wants you. He desires you. He does not need you, but he desires you. Please hear that. God did not create man because he was lonely. If any preacher ever tries to tell you that, throw rotten tomatoes at him. (laughs) It's not true. It's not true. God was not looking for relationship. He had relationship. Father, Son, Holy Spirit were in perfect happiness with one another for eternity past and never needed nobody else. That's not what it was about. It was just, we love each other so much, wouldn't it be great to have somebody else to love too? Yes! Let's make them. Let's do it. And he was so excited about it, he created an entire universe just to put us in. That's crazy, but it's true. Jesus said, I no longer call you servants. I call you friends. And then he says this, because a friend, a servant does not know his master's business, but a friend, a friend See, Jesus wants to talk to us about what he's up to. He wants to talk to us about how he feels. He wants to talk to us about what he's doing, about why he's doing it. He wants somebody to weep with him when he has to judge the sinful. You know how I know it? Because he did it. Genesis 18. God is on his way. He's on his way to Sodom and Gomorrah to wipe them out. He's on his way, and he says to himself, you know what, we should stop and talk to Abraham about this. Now what is that about? Mm -hmm. What is that about? Why did God stop? Why? Why? Have you ever thought about it? What is the point? He still does it. He still goes on and he still wipes out Sodom and Gomorrah, but what is the point? What is, why did he stop? Because Abraham was his friend and he wanted Abraham to know what he was about to do. So Abraham could say to him, you're the judge of all the earth. This is who you are. You, you're a merciful God. Are you, do you really need to do this? Now was God of two minds about whether or not he was going to do it? No. No but he wanted to know if there was a friend who knew him well enough to know how much it hurt him to to destroy these people. Do you see that? Is there anybody on the earth that knows me well enough to know that this is killing me? Is there anybody on the earth that will weep with me over this place? And Abraham knew his God. And Abraham said, God, you're the judge of all the earth. Will you do if there is any righteous people in that place, will you stop? And God said, "I will." Abraham, you know me. Thank you. You know me, and it's because of that that Lot and his family were saved. You see, Jesus is looking for friends. He's looking for people he can share his life with. He wants. He's coming along and saying, "We do this." Job. Can I talk to you about it? Jesus will tell you things about other people that you are never supposed to talk to anyone about except for him. He will. He will tell you only for the purpose of you having a conversation with him about that reality, about that person. I forgot to look up the scripture, but the a scripture in the Proverbs that says that the secret of God is for those who fear him. The secrets of God's heart, he wants to reveal them to a people who understand him, to a people who are in awe of him, to a people who care enough about him to take it seriously. He wants friends. That's what this is all about. That's what this is all about. Does God need our help to win the world? No! In fact, we screw it up. We make this job harder. I always love anybody know who Derek Las was? <laughs> Amazing guy, awesome, awesome worship leader and, and uh, just man who friend of Jesus. and he's with Jesus now. He was in a car accident, and passed away, but he talked about how whenever he would try and do something around the house, his kids would want to help. help.. <laughs> And part of him would go, oh, no, you can't help. Like, he, that's what he wanted to say was, no, you can't help. You're going to get in the way. You're gonna, it's going to take me twice as long. I just want to get this done. But then his father's heart would say, of course you can help. Help me. Now, were they helping? Mm-hmm. No. No. They were not helping. They may, if you've ever done anything with a three-year-old, and they're standing there going, why, 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 right? Why are you doing that? Oh, because I needed it. Why? why are you doing that? Well, because, you know, it just makes it so, ten times harder to do what you're trying to do. But you wouldn't trade it for anything because it's time between you and that beautiful little one. <coughs> it bonds the two of you together. Makes your job tougher, but it puts you... In relationship, deeper relationship with that one. That is exactly how Jesus feels about us. We screw it all up. We mess it up every time. God's like, I want you to go. I want you to give this word to this person. And we go over there, and it's this holy game of telephone, right? Where we walk over and say, this is what Jesus said. And we screw up half of it. <laughs> and Jesus is like, well, I think the message got across. So it's, okay. I love you. You're doing great. <laughs> Why? Why does he do that? Why doesn't he just show up in all this glory? Okay, this is what I wanted to tell you. Okay? Why doesn't he do that? Why? Because he loves you and he wants you, involved. Oh. It's not about it is not about, boy, God needs somebody to deliver his messages for him. That is not it. He's got a myriad of angels in heaven that he could send that would do a way better job than you, okay? He's got, he, you know, he's he could do it. he could show up himself and deliver it. He's fully capable. He made a donkey talk, people, all right? God has lots of means, all right? He's, he knows what he's doing, but but guess what? He picks you and me to express the heart of our Abba over over the other person. Why? Because he just loves hanging out with you. He wants to bring you in on it. Come, let's do this together. It's going to be fun. It draws you in closer to him. That's what it's about. It's about him and you doing this together, enjoying one another's company, God will not do anything in the earth without human cooperation. He always looks for a man. Always. From the very beginning. Do you think God couldn't have named the animals? He sure could have. But he said, Nah, I want Adam to do it. This is going to be fun. (laughs) Hey, Adam, what's this one? You know, he had the father and Jesus are just like, oh, what's he going to say? <laughs> you know? Oh, uh, dog. <laughs> That's a great name, buddy. Right? See, I always, I always read scripture and uh, engage my imagination. Right, right. Okay? <laughs> I put myself right in the middle of this. <laughs> God wants intimacy with you. He's going to talk to you about stuff that you have no business being talked to about. He's going to tell you what's on his heart, what he's about to do, why he did what he did, what he's doing right now. He's going to say to you, he's going to wake you up in the middle of the night and he's going to tell you, pray for this person. And you're going to say, I don't even know who that is. And he goes, doesn't matter. Talk to me about him Anyway. One of my favorite verses that talks about this is Ezekiel 22.30. That's a picture of Jesus when he's he's about to go and judge. In the valley of Armageddon, it's the last day battle. Jesus is about to go, and he says with shock... I looked for an intercessor. I looked for somebody to build up the wall and to stand in the gap and say, "Don't do it, Jesus. Mercy, Jesus. And he says, I didn't find one. So I went and I tread the grapes of, the grapes of wrath alone. That's what he says. I looked for an intercessor. What a picture. Here's God ready to pour out wrath and judgment, and he's looking everywhere. Is there somebody that will try and stop me? Is there somebody that's going to cry mercy? Is there somebody that knows me well enough to know that I don't want to do this? And with shock and pain, he says, and I found no one. I found no one. Disappointment in the voice of Jesus in that moment. I found no one. So I tread the grapes of wrath alone, he says. It isn't that he wasn't going to judge. He just didn't want to do it by himself. Do you understand? He says, then I must do what I must do. I wanted a partner. I didn't find one. I wanted somebody to weep with me. I wanted somebody to understand my heart. I don't ever want Jesus to say that while I'm around. You know what I mean? If Jesus is looking for an intercessor, he can wake me up. Right? If Jesus is looking for a friend, God, here I am. Here I am. Come and talk to me. He's looking for partnership. He's looking for friends. That's what prophecy is about. Let's pray. Jesus, here we are. my heart my my heart really truly is saying tonight that I want to be close to you I'm not interested in a name or a reputation I'm not interested in anybody knowing who I am I'm not interested in in uh, a big ministry or a claim of me and I'm not not, Mm -hmm. I want you I want you Lord I pray that there's anything in my heart anything at all that is not on fire for more of you that you would get it out of Fire would spread and that my life would be consumed. I want you. Lord, I pray for my friends in this room. I say the same thing. I pray the same thing over them. I ask for the same thing. Let us be a people consumed with the fire from your eyes. Let us be a people absolutely in love with you. Draw us closer. Purify us so you can trust us. Cleanse us. Jesus, I pray that the gospel would shape our character and our nature, so that we can bear the weight of the word. Jesus, I ask that you would so <coughs> cleanse us and purify us, that the word would flow, your word would flow through us with such authority that the earth would shake. Give us singular focus. Give us dove's eyes that don't turn to the right or to the left, but are focused straight ahead on you. Set on your glory, your beauty. Where I pray that the true cry of our heart would be Psalm 27. That we may dwell in your house and gaze upon your beauty inquire at your temple. Jesus, I ask that you would be our one thing, that you would be our only passion, our only love, that you would be all we ask for and all that we seek. Jesus, I ask that you would give us tunnel vision on you. Lord, that the first commandment would rise to first place inside of us. this be our definition of purity. One lover. And it's you. Lord, I pray if we love anything else that we would love it for your sake. We would love it out of, as an overflow of our love for you. Lord, I pray that even our love for the lost would just be an overlapping An overflow of our love for you. Even our love for our brothers and sisters in this room would just be the overflow, the pouring out of our love for you. Let nothing take the place of you on the throne. Ross and deeper than we've <laughs> ever been. In your name and for your glory. Amen. All right, we have ten minutes. Questions? Comments? <laughs> I, don't know, I just want to come Yeah. When you hear a message like that and it melts your heart. And the fire is in your heart. And you know that the messenger heard from the Lord. And it's a charge going out to us. That what God has planted in our hearts is not to lay dormant. But to go out and do what he's taught us to do in these few weeks. It's only the beginning of where he wants to take us. And tonight, he's just releasing that charge to you. And it's so fresh. And such a fresh fire From His Spirit that's been released, I hope each of you recognize the fullness of what the Spirit of the Lord was giving to you tonight, almost like a mandate, a charge, to take what you've learned and go out and apply it where He sent you. So do you think that Jesus using us to bring His word like that causes us to seek Him? That He wants us to seek Him Mm deeply. Unless, if, if, if you being used of God doesn't stir you to hunger for more of Him, then you weren't being used of God. You were using yourself, or you were being used of the enemy, one of the two. Yeah. Ah, see, that's what I love about Jesus. He is not afraid to hurt us. It's true. Pain is not an enemy. Pain is, I would talk about this at master students today, the primary. The the tacit understanding of this culture that we live in is pain equals bad. (laughs) And that is the stupidest thing I have ever, that we, we believe it wholeheartedly. If it hurts, it must be bad. Wrong. Wrong. Jesus cares more (coughs) about our destiny than he does about our comfort. Okay? We gotta get that. And when he seems to withdraw, he's not actually withdrawing, first of all. You need to understand that Jesus is closer to us in the moments we can't feel him than he is in the moments we can't. Okay? But when he seems to withdraw, what he's doing is he's saying, I want more for you than you have now, and you're awfully comfortable right there. So I'm going to step back here, and when you get here, I'll give you more than you ever had. He is enticing us to increase our capacity. That's how much he loves us. He says, I'm not going to let you stay comfortable in your nice little warm baby bed. No, no, no. It's time to get up and walk. I created you to walk, not to, not to lay down in the bassinet. I created you to stand on your feet. Yes. And yet you're going to trip sometimes and you're going to fall. And I know that and I'm going to be right here every time, but I want you to walk. I know it's not comfortable. I know it's new. It's different. It's scary. Walk. And then we'll fly. If you think walking was scary. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha. Yeah. The first time I was introduced to the prophetic, was a few years ago, when we lived in New Mexico, hmm. and um, it, I really had a, a hunger for it. I want to learn, but I always have a fear I, I can't do it right, and um, I'll fail. And uh, listening to you tonight, it's kind of like experiencing walk to Emmaus all over when I found out how much Jesus loves me, yeah. mm-hmm. and I always thought. Well, I have to hear God. I have to press it. I have to hear God. Because I can't do what he wants if I can't hear him. Mm-hmm. So I apparently am still work-based. Yeah. And you're trying to help us be love-based. Yeah. Or help us to see how he wants right. us to yeah. know. So uh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> My pleasure. Trust me. Uh, this is something God is still working on me in, in every single way. and And... And, you know, it's been said that the default mode of the human soul is religion, okay? Works, or that's, we honestly, there's there's something at the bottom of us, and this is what the fall is all about. This is what, you know I, ugh, I don't even really like that word. That's not a Bible word, by the way, just FYI, the fall. It's not, it's not a Bible word. But the, 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 the bottom of this thing, the, the delusion that we stepped into, the delusion Eve stepped into, is that we have to reach for something that God wants to give us. We have to earn something God wants to give us as a gift. And we're still reaching. Every single one of us. That's what every religion on the planet is about. And Jesus came in and said, stop reaching. I'm going to give it to you. Stop reaching. It's a, I'm going to give this. This is a gift. And if you let me give it to you, then you'll receive what you want. But if you reach for it, you can't. Which seems so backwards, but it's true. If we try and earn grace, we lose it. But if we receive it by faith, we get everything. This God that didn't stop by giving, you know, didn't think twice about giving us his own son, will he not also give us all things? That's, that's God. God saying, I just want to, give. I want to give you son, but do not try and earn it for me. There's this movie. It's, one, it's a great movie. I love it. It's called Stranger Than Fiction. Anybody seen it? It's, anyway, it's, it's, <clears throat> I'm a big movie buff. Okay? And there's a scene in the movie where the main character, um, sh- she's a baker, and she wants to give these cookies to the, this, to, to the other main character, Will Ferrell. Okay? And she wants to give them to him, but he's a tax man, and he's there to audit her. And she's just trying to be nice to him. He's had a horrible day because she's made sure he had a horrible day. Because she's really mad that she's being audited. Okay? And she goes to give him cookies to just give him a good end of the day. And he eats one and he's like, oh, it's so good. And then he goes, let me pay you for them. And she was like, no. It was a gift. I don't want you to pay me for them. He's like, you don't understand. You can't give me gifts because I'm a tax man. And she's like, well, then I'm just going to throw them away. Because if I can't give this to you as a gift then you don't want it. She was deeply offended that he wanted to pay her for her gift. And Jesus is the same way. He's like, I just want to give you salvation. I want to give you myself. Stop trying to earn me. You can't. You never will be able to. You never have been able to. It's not going to happen. Stop reaching and let me give it to you. but, But over and over again, we'll get three steps that way. That's why I love the book of Galatians. It's like, you foolish Galatians. (laughs) You foolish Fort Wayneans. He could have said it, you know. Oh, Why? This is not how you came into Christ. By working your butt off. That is not how you came to Christ. Is that how you received the Spirit? By really trying hard? No, you received it by faith. By grace through faith. God just gave it to you. So stop trying to become more holy by working really hard. That's not how you become holy. You become holy by the gift of God. It gives you righteousness. It's a gift. And it's the same thing with the gifts of the Spirit. We try so hard. We try so hard. I'm going to pray 20,000 times a day. I'm going to fast for three weeks, and then maybe God will give me a word. No, stop it. (laughs) Fall in love with Jesus, and then you'll just be like, Walking around going, Jesus says this about you. Jesus says this about you. Jesus says, and it's, not, it's just going to flow out of you like water because you and Jesus are like this, and he can whisper in your ear. But do not be like, Jesus, I'm working hard for you over here. You know? Jesus is like, will you shut up and come over here so I can talk to you? I'm not interested in your little show because your show is about you, but relationship is about me. Thank you, Lord. this week, you're still, still small voice You need to be close. Yep. And you need to shut up. Yep. Because you can be right next to Jesus going, Hi, Jesus, I are you doing today? And he's not going to be able to whisper to you. So get close and shut up. Amen. <laughs> anything else? Anything? No, I love the gospel. I love the gospel. I love the gospel. I love the gospel. And that's what I was, that's what this by grace through faith and not by works thing, that's the gospel, guys. That's what it is. You can't earn anything from God. He won't let you. He will not be a debtor to any man. Absolutely. He won't. He won't be indebted to you. He refuses. There's a scene right out of The Godfather that totally. (laughs) <laughs> makes that work. <laughs> you know, the very first scene in the movie, right? He, the, you know, Bonasera, he's the, he's the, you know, his daughter's been hurt. And he comes to the godfather and he's like, I want you to go and get these guys that hurt my daughter. And he says, how much should I pay you, godfather? And the godfather's like, oh, bonasera. Okay. <laughs> what makes you treat me so uh, rudely? The, the, the guy's completely, aren't aren't you the mobster? Shouldn't I pay you to go kill somebody? It's like no 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 that's not how it works. Let's be friends. Um, and then when you're my friend, um, everyone will fear you. Um, now, I know that the godfather is kind of evil, right? <laughs> but that's that's really how God works. He's like, no, no, you can't pay me, you can't you can't force me to do anything. No. You do not control me. No, 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 no. No tame lion am I. That is not how this works, my friends. I am the king. I do what I want to do. Now, if you're my servant, if you're my friend, then you get all of my army at your disposal. But if you are trying to hire me as a mercenary, that brings me down to where I'm serving you, and that is not a but that's what we do, isn't it? Yeah, That's what we do. We try and pay God to do things for us, and God's like, excuse me, but no. No, you don't hire me. No. I do what I choose to do, and I would love to help you. But you and I gotta be friends first. Does that make sense? <laughs> I've written a few. <laughs> Although I don't know that I would use the Godfather reference on a Sunday morning. (laughs) (laughs) It's after eight thirty, so if you need to go whatever. I'm happy to hang out if people want to talk, but you know, if you need to go or whatever. Bridget, what else needs to happen?